friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton, founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Taylor, I'm really excited today about our our guest, uh, Jonathan Page. I've had the fortune of knowing Jonathan for a number of years, and he may be the most interesting person I know. I'm reminded of, I can't remember what the commercial was, and they had, you know, the most interesting man on the planet. Jonathan may be a a runner-up to that, and our listeners will better understand that as we go through today's podcast. So that said, let me introduce, I want to introduce our guest, Jonathan Page. He is an attorney. He got his uh, undergraduate degree at Georgia Tech, majored in mathematics, which I didn't, didn't know. Went to Georgia State for his law degree, worked for a, a local law firm in Atlanta, worked with big companies, helping them with their legal issues. And then he got the entrepreneurial bug and started his own practice in 2013 uh, in Prime Legal. We'll hear more about his, his practice here today. Jonathan works with small, mid-sized companies. He was a Vistage member, and he works with Vistage-like companies. He also founded another company that he'll tell us about, Contract Sprint, which I thought was a really interesting idea. And I kind of remember when he was starting that, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, Essentially, it's allowing small businesses to get really quick, easy access to their, their legal documents, which is something we don't normally find. Jonathan is married, I believe, six kids, and little known fact, uh, well, too, Taylor, Jonathan uh, dabbled a little bit in politics. You may, may, may or may not want to share that experience with us, but even more interesting is he is a competitive ballroom dancer, and I'm sure in some way that contributes to, to the success that he has had as both an attorney and an entrepreneur. Jonathan, great to have you with us today. I am thrilled to be with you, Tim. Thrilled to be with you as well, Taylor. So the first question we always ask of our guests, for for every guest, is, Jonathan, what do you do that matters to small business owners? So small business owners that we work with, they typically are looking to scale fast, but they also want to scale with confidence. They don't want to make a bunch of mistakes that they regret later. They want to try to mitigate their risk. So we help them scale fast and with confidence by aligning our legal strategy with their business goals. And we also serve small businesses through an additional venture that we're starting or have started by providing quick, easy, convenient access to legal documents that really are kind of the core legal documents for their business. And there's like a big gap in the industry right now, I think, where you've got on the one hand attorneys that are great attorneys, but it takes a while to get a consultation. There's, you know, weeks before you get, you know, get on the phone with them. It takes another several weeks to get a draft, and then you're, you know, going through and making red lines. And that whole delivery process is a function of how the industry is, not necessarily a function of how good the attorneys are, but they're in this sort of delivery model for small business owners. And if you talk to a small business owner, you know, they often have complaints about customer service as it relates to attorneys, maybe not the attorney directly, but certainly how they deliver, you know, their services. And then on the other end, you do have quick, easy access to legal documents through things like LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer, but they're just generic. They're not documents that a sophisticated business owner would ever trust or want to use in their business. And so there's nothing really in between. And that's really the where we're serving people is providing high quality documents that you would expect to receive from a just from a really rock star business attorney 
but quick and easy and convenient. You're getting it in minutes, not weeks, um, and it's fully customized to your business. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, I want to dig into that a little bit here in a moment, but first I got to ask, uh, tell us how you've gotten to this point in your career and, and some of the milestones along the way. So, you know, my dad's been a huge influence in my life. When I was a young kind of budding entrepreneur before I went to law school, I went to a conference with my aunt, my dad's sister, and we were sitting in the lobby and she shared a story with me about my dad that I'd never heard before. And my dad had this burning desire to go to college. So he had asked my grandfather, we called him Papa, for the application fee. It was 20 bucks. And Papa looked at dad and said, you're too stupid to go to college. So what I realized when she told me this story is there's a lot of people that have big dreams. They have great ideas on how they want to make contributions to the world, how innovative business ideas they would love to bring to market, but they have these situations in their life that stop them, you know, from really achieving the potential that they want to achieve. They make excuses. And I made a decision at that moment that I, I was going to become unstoppable. I was going to read every business book I could get my hands on. I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to figure out every way that I could learn how to be absolutely unstoppable. And I, I wanted to do that because although my dad heard that, and although he received that, he ultimately was able to figure out how to pay for the application fee. He got himself to college with a trunk load of the few things that he owned. He couldn't afford a dorm room. He slept on the floor of a dark room where he developed film because that was his job, was taking photographs and ultimately was able to get through college with three jobs, made C's, just couldn't dedicate the time to really be wildly successful, but was able to graduate and then scaled up two businesses right where I live in Cobb County, exited them both successfully, one of them, which was eight figures and had a great uh, business career. But the thing that, that held him back that he shared with me is that it took him until age 43 to, to really start his first business. He just didn't have that courage. And it, it was finally when he had four kids that he had the courage to step out and open his own business. And that's what he didn't want me to do. And so like I graduated from college, I graduated from law school. And uh, initially I went to law school to open my own business. I wanted, I thought it would be a good degree for me and loved the law and decided I would do business law or corporate law. And so uh, I went and worked at a mid-sized firm that had big corporate clients. And every weekend I'd come home for dinner. My, my, uh, my dad would tell me, when are you going to leave and open your own law firm? I was like, dad, I've got to get some experience. I got to work on some big clients. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a great opportunity. And it was like every single weekend, he was like, when are you going to open your own business? I know that's what you want to do. When are you going to do it? And that's why I just have no hesitation about going out there and jumping in and trying to, you know, if I've got, I've got an idea that I love and think can, can benefit and serve other people, I'm going to, I'm going to try it, you know, and I'm, I just refuse to get to my deathbed and, and look back and not have taken the risk and done the things that, that I thought could, could help other people out there in, in the business community. That's a great story, Jonathan. Thank you for sharing that with, uh, with our listeners. Um, you work, I know very successfully with growth small businesses, helping them achieve their goals. What are some of the most common issues that you're finding today that those small businesses are, are having? What are the issues and how are you helping them? So there's definitely kind of the 
tactical issues that they're running into. You know, a small business owner might be thinking about how to exit their business successfully. And they, you know, as they're getting closer to that point where they may be exiting their business, they they start to worry, have I really done the things in my business that are going to maximize my, you know, exit multiple that are going to get, is going to get me the greatest valuation at exit. Or maybe they're thinking about just succession planning in general, like who am I going to leave my company to? Those are issues that come up. There may be issues on the employment side, you know, especially with recruitment and making sure that you can find and retain really good talent. So those are tactical issues that we deal with and help our clients with and that we see. But I think, you know, ultimately the biggest driver of success, in my opinion, is, and I, and I think the, the trait that every elite entrepreneur that I've studied and been around is being absolutely relentless about their business goals. And if you look at the, the titans of the industrial revolution, you know, Rockefeller, Carnegie, JP Morgan, uh, Henry Ford, the, dig- the titans of the digital revolution, you've got Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, and then the titans of today, Elon Musk, you know, these guys, they had one failure after another, and, but they pressed forward and just refused to stop, refused to quit, and just were determined to 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 achieve their business goals. I mean, you can go from one example to another. I mean, who gets fired from the company they founded and <laughs> makes a comeback? You, you don't do that unless you're just absolutely relentless about achieving the visions you you set out to achieve. That's Steve Jobs. You know, Elon Musk, you know, had money for three rockets with SpaceX and they all failed. He just wasn't, he found, found a way to put do the fourth launch. Tesla, I mean, if you talk to the Wall Street guys back you know, 10 years ago, they would have said, worst company to invest in is going to fail. The brink of bankruptcy now is more valuable than, you know, the biggest car companies in the world. So, you know, these guys, you know, when you look at the common trade among all of them, it's, in my opinion, it's just, it's almost like they believe success was always around the corner. I'm studying Richard Branson right now. You know, one of the things Richard Branson continues to say over and over again is when he's in a cash crisis, which he's been in many, he spends more money. Whereas most people, you know, they want to they wanna shrink, he expands. This is the way he gets out of a cash crisis is he expands out of the cash crisis. You know, these, these are guys that would bet their entire fortune on their vision. The only way I think you really achieve that level of success is, is just having that, that mindset of being absolutely relentless about your, about your business goals, about the way that you want to serve, you know, your community, the world at large whatever it is your products and services are doing for the world. I mean, at the core, of it, that's what a business is. It's there to serve, right? It's there to help customers and other people in, in some way that's innovative and unique to that business. So on that same thread, Jonathan, in terms of, of your experience working with small businesses and, and some of the factors to their success, what are some things you've seen over the past two to three years in terms of change? What's changed in, in entrepreneurship or within the small business community that, that is creating an impact? So, you know, from a kind of a small business perspective, you know, putting mm-hmm. aside the innovations that are happening at like Apple and, you know, Microsoft and the things that they're doing, I think small business owners are learning how to differentiate their products and services in a unique way. They're, you know, seeing how big companies like Uber and, you know, these companies came out and were able to capture new customers, customers that never existed before. I mean, if you think about like, 
what Uber does, it's, it, it's no different than what a taxi service does. It's a stranger and a car that's not yours that takes you from A to B, but yet the ride-sharing industry is multiple times bigger than the taxi industry. So, you know, mathematically, that just means that they were able to capture customers that never utilize taxis ever, right? And so I think, you know, when I look around at kind of the small business owners that are really making moves is they're taking aspects of what big businesses have done that are successful. And they're, you know, taking the guidance of folks like you, Tim, and information that they're learning at like the small business conference. And they're really trying to take steps to sort of, you know, instead of just doing the same old plumbing service that everybody has always done, how can we do this different? How can we innovate in the way that we deliver it? You know, if it's plumbing, how can we, maybe there's some app that we can now put our customers on that gives them quicker access to getting a plumbing job booked. You know, these are the things I see small business owners doing is awesome. It's just, they're trying to figure out ways that they can, you know, cut out steps in their service process, innovate in the way that their customer experience is. You know, these are the things that I see uh, small business owners doing. That's a great answer. And it leads me to my next question, Jonathan. And that is, On one hand, you are a very successful, very respected business attorney. On the other hand, you're the entrepreneur and you're the CEO of a law practice. What do you see your role as as the leader of that business, growth business? What is your role as the leader of that, that practice? So I think ultimately my role as the leader and any any CEO or you know head of the company, their role is to really be an advocate for the vision. You know, there's a great book. There's lots of books we could mention. I'm sure most of your listeners have read, but maybe one they haven't read is Talent Magnet by Mark Miller. He was with Chick-fil-A from the very beginning. And uh, Mark Miller talks about, you know, what people really care about in your organization is uh, a better boss, transferable skills, like skills that they can learn there and it it will serve them in any capacity, even outside of their job or any job that they go to. And then a bigger vision. Right. And that was really clear to Chick-fil-A. Like the vision was absolutely critical. People want to know, like, where's this company going and how is it going to be important within the marketplace that we're operating in? And I feel like the CEO or the or the leader really has to be a champion of that vision. And, you know, being the visionary, that's just not a trait that everybody has. You know, there's some employees that are really there and, and, and there's not better or worse. It's just some employees, they're more focused on the day to day. It's like, what do I need to get done today? How do I, you know, make today successful? But being a visionary is very different. You're thinking out in the future. You're thinking three to five years from now. You're, you know, making moves that won't have an immediate return on investment today, but you know will have a return on it, or you hope will have a return on investment in the future. So I think a really good visionary, and what I try to do in my role is to be a champion of that vision, to talk about it all the time, to get people behind that vision. I mean. What I see where that doesn't work is you've got a lot of leaders who micromanage or they try to kind of force, you know, their employees to work a certain way or have a certain behavior. And that I think that's the wrong way to put your energy as a leader. Um, if you, you know, you've got to hire the right people, those people, if you give them a great vision to go after, they're going to, they're going to figure out how to achieve it for you. And so I really think that's the critical trait for somebody in my role and any, anyone who's taking on that role as, as head of company. So I was reading your uh, your bio, Jonathan, and I'm gonna be honest. I know very little about legal services or legal as a business, but I do know that billing by the hour is a popular business model, and it seems like you have kind of flipped that 
uh, to some extent and offered sort of a platform for people looking for legal services or legal documents. So I guess my question is, that seems like a fairly radical business model change. And I'm curious if you could you could talk a little bit about that and what went into it. Sure. So ultimately, when you kind of peel back the onion on any business, there's what I call value touch points. Value touch point is the place where your business interacts with your customer that is valuable to your customer, right? And so, and there's all sorts of things that go on in the business that aren't of any value directly to your customer. Like they don't, they don't experience it. They don't interact with it. You know, it may be necessary, but like, you know, what your billing people are doing might not be something of value to your customer. Like it's not something they're thinking about. They're not deriving value from it. So when you look at the legal industry and particularly the bill you by the minute model, the attorneys are making money based on what they're doing behind the scenes, the time and you know, hours that they're billing towards a specific legal project, that's showing up on an invoice that's being delivered to the client in six-minute increments. And then the client's being asked to pay whatever the bill is, right? But the issue with that is that the the client is, there's there's no value touch point in the fact that the attorney took 20 hours to write an employment law contract. Zero. No, none of the business owners out there are thinking about that attorney and saying, wow, I'm I wonder, you know, what kind of coffee they're drinking as they draft my employment agreement. I mean, it's just, it's not even within their consciousness. They are thinking about the consultation that they had with the attorney. That's a value touch point, right? They're thinking about the work in product that they get. That's a value touch point. They're thinking about how that end product is helping them achieve a specific business result. That's a value touch point. So when you look at like Blue Ocean Strategy, you know, there's a great book, Blue Ocean Strategy, and they have that quadrant, you know, reduce the things that aren't of value to your customers, you know, raise the things that have more value, eliminate things that are zero value, add things that, you know, are of a value. This is quadrant they use. If you just put that quadrant on the legal industry, like the more we can reduce like the actual drafting time that's going into putting a document together, the more that we can un- increase those value touch points where People are actually deriving value from the legal services, the strategy, the creativity. How can I align this legal strategy to achieve a specific business result? The better we are as an industry, the more we're going to be able to serve our clients. So in that kind of model, when we innovated in Prime, it was let's get the focus away from value by the minute. Let's figure out a better structure so that we can provide more strategy, more you know, hands-on consultation with the client, really get to know their business, understand what their business goals are, and then align all of our legal strategy and legal documents to that. And then with contract sprint on the other end, it's the, it's the same thing. It's, you know, let's eliminate the drafting time. Software can do a lot of that and figure out how we can deliver really high quality documents in a, in a very short period of time, but make sure that these high quality documents are documents that you can trust that you know cover the things that you want to cover. And I think we've, you know, developed a pretty cool software that's able to accomplish that with documents that our paralegals and our clients are using today. Jonathan, one more question and then I'm going to turn it over to Taylor for his rapid fire questions. So I know that recently you had the experience where you were asked to step in as a as an interim CEO, you got to come in and run a company. What was that experience like for you? And what did you learn from that experience? What did you take away from that experience? So, yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, I stepped into an entire management team, chief operating officer, chief marketing officer, chief technology officer. 
we had 40 plus employees. We had pretty large assets, multi-million dollar assets that had already been purchased and were in place. Um, and so I was asked to come in and really organize the company. They had felt like they lacked leadership and it was just an incredible experience. Ultimately, the company failed. The market traction wasn't there. The company wasn't able to raise the funds that they ultimately needed. And the investors kind of got wary and decide, made a decision. The investors made a decision that they were going to you know, close the company. I came in, was there for a year, ultimately had to fire our employees, had to have those tough conversations. It was a real strategy. I mean, we had to figure out how to, how to protect millions of dollars worth of assets. You know, so when you're terminating the entire company, you know, assets can disappear. So we had to figure out how to get like a small group of people that we were going to let in on what was going on and make sure that they were going to protect those assets as we kind of did this. We had employees who were extremely ungrateful to employees who sent me nasty letters. It was just a really interesting and fascinating experience. And, you know, I learned so much from, you know, really understanding you know, you can have the best innovative business idea out there. And in my opinion, you've got to be absolutely relentless about it, pursuing it. But, you know, adoption takes time. And if you're doing something that's new and innovative, you know, like even the iPhone, you know, Steve Jobs, we forget, you know, Apple was the most valuable company, but we forget that Steve Jobs had millions and millions of dollars that he spent on the Think Different campaign, millions and millions of dollars that he spent on the Super Bowl ads. Like it wasn't like he created some innovative product and put it out there and people were like, wow, this is great. You know, he he had he put fuel on the fire. He had millions and millions and millions of dollars that he funded through marketing efforts to because adoption. He had to get omnipresent. He had to get people to really know this product. So, you know, that's where we sort of lacked. We didn't have that fuel to be able to put into educating a new industry. It was the hemp industry. So it was very new. CBD was new. And there was this, this adoption hurdle. And I think, you know, ultimately the investors didn't have the appetite for continuing to spend the money until we got to that adoption. It really reminded me of Pixar. Pixar, you know, with John Laster coming from Disney, really believed in this idea of doing a feature-length animated film, was completely ousted by the animation industry, Disney didn't want them at first. You know, everybody said, this is not a company to bet on. They were like, almost went bankrupt. And Steve Jobs came in. And the only reason why he became CEO of Pixar is because he wrote a $10 million check and then ended up funding it. You know, if you if you look at interviews of Steve Jobs and Pixar, he talks about how, like, he thought it was just going to be $10 million. But ultimately, what he put in was like 50 plus. I mean, he was just writing check after check after check because even though he had amazing people at Pixar, no one could predict how long it would take for them to build this product and get it in a place where people would accept it. And, you know, accept it was like getting someone like Disney to say, we're going to go ahead and put energy behind this project. And that took a lot longer than they expected. But you had to have somebody who was like, I know this is valuable and I'm going to continue putting money into it, even if it's a money pit, until we absolutely can get the traction we need. And I think with what I stepped into, we didn't have that. We had people who wanted a quick return. They saw hemp as something where they could make a bunch of money. You know, you had a get rich quick type mentality. And when they found out that it was going to be a long play and they were going to have to continue to put money in, you know, that's where the investors kind of got wary. So that made that really clear to me. And so what I learned from the experiences with my next venture which is my venture, the contract sprint, 
is it something I believe in? Is it something that I really feel can provide value to the community and, and solve a new problem? And then I just, I have to have the commitment to just continue to, to do it and, and push it until we achieve whatever milestones we've set out to achieve. What a great learning experience. Thank you for sharing that with us. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is super attorney and serial entrepreneur, Jonathan Page. Jonathan, we're now coming up to my favorite part of the podcast. It's called Rapid Fire Questions. Taylor's got a handful of questions that he will ask you. He's going to try his hardest to stump you with these questions. I'm betting on you. Taylor, take it away. All right. What an intro. Uh, so, Jonathan, you've talked a few times about some leaders that it sounds like you admire. Well, who would you say is your favorite leader and why? Henry Ford. Henry Ford. And why Henry Ford? Because he was somebody who would, uh, you know, like with the V8, he was like, we're going to create this. He had all the engineering talent that you could have in the industry. And they were like, this is not possible. And he was like, okay, well, you sit in a room and you figure it out. <laughs> and <laughs> and eventually it came around. I mean, it's, it's just somebody who really had a had an incredible vision for the future and was just wasn't going to compromise that vision for anybody and really stuck to it. And then, you know, ultimately took a lot of his wealth and a lot of his success and when he got to a point where he realized he had more than he needed, figured out ways to give back and to donate and to be a uh, philanthropist, you know, like many, like Carnegie is another good example of somebody who I mm-hmm. really admire. You know, they made mistakes, but they really had a, an incredible mindset. They looked at business like a charity, you know, like we look at charities and really felt like they were doing a service. It wasn't about the money, even though they made lots of money. It was about how we can use money to, to better other people. And that's really powerful. Awesome. Good choice. Henry Ford. Similar theme. What is, I don't one... drive a, I drive a, my wife drives a Lincoln. I drive a Tesla. So <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm cheating on Henry Ford a little bit though. We, we do have a Lincoln. So that's fair. That's fair. I think, I think, I think you get a pass there for our small business matters community. What's one book that you would recommend to the audience? So as a man thinketh has been a really powerful book for me. Um, it's written by James Allen. I've got quotes on the walls because I want my kids to see it every single day. And I think the core of that book is just, you know, you are the author of your circumstances. And if you want to make it black and white, there's two types of people. There's there's people who are victims. They're blaming other people or other things for why they haven't achieved what they want to achieve. And anytime you assign blame, you're giving control of your life over to whoever you're blaming. You know, like literally the person you're blaming has more control over your life or that situation than you do because, because you're blaming them, you can't do anything about it, right? Or you're somebody who has 100% responsibility. And I think As a Man Think is, is really a great book that gets to the core of what 100% responsibility really means and what cause and effect mean. And so it's just been a really influential book for me. It's a very short book. So for those who like short books, that's a, that's a good one to read. Good, that's me. I'll, I'll put that one on my list. You talked a little bit earlier about how you got to where you are in your career. What did you want to be when you were a kid as a, as a professional? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a Hollywood actor. Hey, there we go. Okay, good. This is going to lead right into my next question, which is actually my, my dad's favorite question. Uh, is who plays Jonathan Page in a movie about your life? 
Definitely Ryan Reynolds. I was going to say Ryan Reynolds. For people who, uh, obviously, this is a podcast. You can't see Jonathan, but he does look like Ryan Reynolds. Man, that's good. I get that, I get that every week. I just got. We're going to have to put a picture now up with the podcast so that our listeners can can see Ryan as we're speaking to him. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Definitely, Ryan. Taylor, I'm giving I'm giving four points to Jonathan on the rapid fire and zero points for you, but they were good questions. They were were good questions. Thanks, (laughs) Taylor. As usual, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. I really enjoyed our time with with Jonathan. the, the ideas that he gave us as both as, as an attorney and the issues that small businesses are working with, and also as the entrepreneur and some great insights to entrepreneurial success. Any particular takeaway that you had uh, today? Yeah, I just love the, the energy and, and enthusiasm Jonathan brought to our audience. I, I think just talking very briefly about uh, his favorite book in terms of being black and white about writing your own story and and making your own decisions to base based on the situation super powerful. I know something that that I oftentimes fall into is just getting too comfortable with the flow and, and not being more proactive in my own decision making. So, Jonathan, I know that some of our listeners will want to reach out to you after today's podcast. What is the best way for them to contact you? So you can always email me directly. That's Jonathan. It's one uh, H in the middle, J O N A T H. A-N at in prime legal, I N as a Nancy, P as in Paul, R I M as a mom, E legal.com is a great way to reach out to us. You can also go to our website in primelegal.com and reach out to us there. But I always love to have great conversations with other entrepreneurs. So would love to would love to chat with anyone, anyone in your audience. Well, thank you. Thank you again for being with us. I only got through half of my questions, so we're going to have to have you come back again. I hope you'll come come visit the Small Business Matters podcast again. So thank you. Thank you very much. Taylor, uh, a lot going on. Small Business Matters. We've got the uh, Small Business Matters boot camp is, is going on right now. We're about halfway through. Got a, a great cohort for the boot camp. As always, we've got the uh, Small Business Matters newsletter. Those of you who are listening, maybe even for the first time, if you'd like to subscribe to our newsletter, you can find us at smallbusinessmattersonline.com. I want to thank our listeners for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. Again, it's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters. matters.